0: Well, Wednesday night, we saw a whole bunch of upsets, all in the Big East. We're going to break them down on this segment here on Slasher i I'm your host, Christian Rao, here with my co-host, Steve Feck. And really, Steve, they were three, well, I'd call two and a half upsets here in the Big East that you can really talk about. UConn losing to Seton Hall, 67 to 66, number 15 going down to Paul. That was uh, probably the biggest one, taking down number eight, Xavier, 73-72. And then Marquette beating Providence 83-75. Now, technically, Marquette is ranked 20th over uh, the 22nd ranked Providence. But we know that Providence has had a great season so far, especially in conference play. So I'm going to call two and a half upsets uh, before we really break down these games. What's your thoughts about this crazy Wednesday night for the Big East? You know, I think this just shows
1: why conference basketball is so much more different than non conference. It's not that you don't have the really shocking upsets, especially in invitational tournaments or whatever, in the quote unquote preseason. Uh, they're not really exhibitions, but in essence, these are teams gearing up to uh, get ready for their conference play. So, unless it's a really wide disparity in talent, and I think the Paul game probably qualifies more as a true upset than the than the others do. People shouldn't be as shocked, especially in a conference as competitive as the Big East. But really, I mean, all three of those games really caught me by surprise, you know, for, for different reasons. But um, it just sh- it just goes to show you that it's almost like having two separate seasons. You have I mean, it truly is non-conference. And then it's sort of like they used to do in the minor leagues. We used to have half seasons you used to have, you know, a half a first half winner and a second half winner. Maybe conferences should do that. Maybe they should, you know, give some kind of a bonus for a team that has the best non-conference record, you know, to help help them with their seating in the tournament. I don't know. I mean, it just seems, you know, it, it's so exciting. I think maybe we should try to uh, break those seasons truly into two.
0: Yeah, and talking about the two different seasons, splitting it up, I think that's exactly what we're seeing from the UConn men's team, and that's where we're going to start first in this one. I mean, before conference play, this team was 15-0, and didn't lose a single game. Now we're sitting at a UConn team, and this is a team that at one point people had as the number one team in the country, right? So put that in the mind, but now they're 4-5 and five in the conference as we're getting about halfway to Big East play. Um, that is not good. That's in the middle of the pack. That's obviously not what... Many people expected this UConn team to look like. They're now 15 and five. They're on a three game losing streak. And that, yes, they lost only by one point to Seton Hall, but this shouldn't have been a. I mean, I know again, it's a close game. It was at Seton Hall, it's a conference game, but you got to expect this one to be a little more in favor of UConn and not be so close.
1: Yeah. And I don't really even, I can't even, in in the UConn game, I'm not really sure. I was looking through the stats and I was trying to break things down, and I just couldn't put my finger on something specific that created this uproar about, about happening across the conference. Even NCAA.com really put a lot of emphasis on you know on these on these games. You know, it, it was their headline for more than twenty-four hours. I, I don't know what to point it again. Seton Hall at home is always tough. I think Seton Hall is starting to show the character of their head coach. I mean, some of that miracle pixie dust is going across the Hackensack river, you know, from St. Peter's and down to East orange and Seton hall. I think, I think they struggled a little bit, uh, kind of getting used to that, but I'm baffled by what the struggles are that UConn is having. And it seems to be something different every night.
0: Yeah, they can't find a way to keep themselves in it when the game is on the line at the end. It's like they're they're falling out. I don't know if they, they're missing the clutch factor, if you believe in that, but they had at one point a 15-point lead in this one, and Seton Hall had, and let's call it an improbable comeback. They had an improbable comeback in this one. Yes, it was at home. I know I'll keep stressing that enough, uh, but they had a, a very clutch three-point play and, and one, if you will, that got them on top to win this one against UConn. I'm a little worried about this Huskies team, and I think the the worry is valid. I think it's very warranted that we we've seen them play fantastic in non conference, but yes, we know that there's a it's a very top heavy and a very very good deep Big East conference this year. I mm-hmm. mean, the teams that we thought were going to be fantastic are struggling. Uh, the teams that we didn't really see that were going to be great are doing fantastic, and then obviously Providence has been a sleeper. We'll get to that in a minute, uh, but this team. Is struggling and they're on the wrong side of of the slope when we're talking about them being at one point a potential one seed. Yes, I think they're still gonna make the tournament, but now they're going to have to have a a bigger battle and they're going to have to make some noise probably in the Big East tournament to really solidify themselves a spot.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, they have a great coach. I mean, I love, I love Hurley. I mean, it's, I mean, it, well, that whole bloodline, I just love them as coaches, but I think of all of them, including the father that coached at the high school level for seemed like a century. It wasn't that long, but he, he had a long career in New Jersey high schools. I, I think Danny Hurley, it really is the prototypical coach that can bring a team to the final four. What I'm wondering is, did we read too much into UConn's early success? Inflating expectations. So now we're seeing what UConn really is, or is there a fundamental issue with the team just not executing? Uh, the way they did uh, and, and the way they should. Uh, I mean, I, I go back and forth. I I I kind of blame people like us. I mean, you and I, Christian, really didn't talk up UConn a whole lot until really December when it was like, well, wait a minute, you're getting through those, you know, those, hot, those November invitational tournaments and all of that. Then suddenly it's like, wow, what's up with UConn? Look, look at UConn. You know, but I, I think on the national level, everyone was making UConn into, a team that perhaps they just really hadn't blossomed into yet. That's not to say that we won't see it, you know, later uh, in the, in the month here and all through the month of February. That's always possible. But I'm wondering: is is UConn really just playing to their talent level as opposed to? Uh, People like us doing shows like this, uh, inflating what UConn's uh, ceiling really was.
0: Maybe a little premature rise. Yeah, that's quite possible. Like I said, they've lost their last three. They've lost their last five of six. Uh, started the season 15-0, and 0, now 15-5. and 5. Uh, On Sunday, noon Fox, they take on Butler. But really, next Wednesday, we'll really find out what we have of this UConn team, I think. That's when they take on Xavier. Speaking of Xavier, though. Xavier also lost, and that's a huge thing. We have we have been talking up the Xavier team, and I think that is warranted. I think that yes. is completely warranted. Um, this was another one-point loss. This was, was to DePaul. I think this was probably the sh- most shocking upset of all three of the Big East oh, ones. What, yeah. ha- what happened in this one, Steve? I think it really was DePaul's
1: just dogged determination. I mean, they played a Xavier-type game as far as – you know, pressure as far as trying to force turnovers. And even if it wasn't successful on turnovers, disrupting the flow of play for Xavier. So, I mean, DePaul, they've got, they have a lot of athleticism on that roster. I, I just don't know that they're, a, that that athleticism gels, you know, as far as a team unit goes, but um, maybe Xavier just was, I mean, you can only ride so high so long. Maybe Xavier just kind of ran out of gas a little bit on that one night. I know I know, they didn't take it for granted because that's just – Sean Miller teams don't take anything for granted. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a, a, it's the fact that DePaul was a better team you know, on the floor and they actually sort of held a mirror up to Xavier and said, we're going to play just like you tonight, and they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they struggled from the field, and you can see that in their numbers as well. Thirty-eight percent from the field, they shot only twenty percent from three-point line. They had 71 shot attempts in this one. Uh oh. but yeah, DePaul really showed up. I mean, they shot great from the three-point line, 45%. They shot 42% from the field. When I mean, you're looking at a game that's only a one point lead, you gotta really find those uh those nickels mm-hmm. and dimes that really did that. And that's exactly what they needed to do to stay in in and beat the number eight team in the country, Xavier. And, you know, I think we're starting to see now, I'm not going to get my hopes up, but DePaul's been so low for such such some time. And we've talked about in a recent episode how Ohio the Mighty have fallen with some biggies teams, talking about Villanova and Georgetown. DePaul mm-hmm. seems to be on the other side of that, possibly on the rise. I know Tony Stubblefield just kind of got there. It's only his second year. He did go on record saying that he promised more coming, more wins like this, um, and I think this is obviously what he's envisioned. And hopefully, he can get that going. But it's nice to see a team like DePaul get these wins. I don't know if you should hold your breath and wait for the next one against a right opponent. <laughs> However, it's it's a really good thing seeing some of those teams that have been sitting low in the Big East in this conference for a very long time start to get some of these wins.
1: Yeah, and it's great to see. You know, you know, we're, you know let's let's take DePaul and Georgetown side by side. You watch Georgetown play we talked about it in an episode, you know, last week, your heart aches. I mean, even though neither of us would be declared Georgetown fans, I would say that we're, we're pulling for other teams in that conference. And certainly on the national scene, we are, but you, you just don't see hope. You don't see progression, you know, in that program, DePaul with Stubblefield, They've kind of changed their recruiting philosophy a little bit. Uh, They're willing to, rather than try to put all their eggs in one or two players, they're willing to take maybe that second tier player now within Chicago land, within the Midwest. They've been making some inroads in other parts of the country. I think DePaul is the kind of program that will eventually figure out how to get that transfer portal to work for them. And it's going to take wins like this, and even if it might be spread out, it's going to take wins like this to have kids that are looking to make a change to say, or even at the junior college level, I think DePaul may want to go that, you know, Bob Huggins kind of route. Let, let's let's mine, you know, the JUCO uh, schools, see what's out there. Excellent but, route. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it works. I mean, for some programs, I mean... You're, you're not going to sell a five-star or four-star recruit on Morgantown, West Virginia, for example. So Huggins really has to sh- find the players that he can coach. DePaul, you're in Chicago. You know, Chicago is one of those hallowed areas of basketball still. And it's not just because of the Bulls. College basketball in the state of Illinois is big. It, it, it's big time. Even the small schools – sell out their gymnasiums for games. So I think, De, I mean, DePaul, they could sell, especially to a city kid, you know, so he's not going to Morgantown, West Virginia, or Missoula, Montana, or Manhattan, Kansas. You can sell him. hey, look, you've got all the benefits of, you know, a big city. You've got tradition. You know, I, I think that Stubblefield is going to be successful. It, it's going to take maybe another two years before they're really going closer to the upper echelon of the big East, but I really do think they have a recruiting advantage that not even Georgetown can, ex- can exploit at this point. Cause really Georgetown, I don't want to call them a joke because it seems too harsh, but really, I mean, they're, they're a joke. I mean, and Patrick, that's not a knock on Patrick Ewing. I, I just think that for whatever reason, it, it's not clicking with the players that they're bringing in there. But I think Stubblefield and DePaul, that's, that's a really good match. And I think now there's the clean break from the DePaul teams you know, that we've known where you had pretty much the same coach for 25, 30 years. You tried to bring in a similar coach after he retired. I think Stubblefield is a breath of fresh air, and I think that, that could really turn this program around.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think that we have the potential to see them possibly getting that upper echelon, just like you said. Obviously, the other teams will still improve and still battle it out. DePaul has their hands full, but I think there's an opportunity to see that happen. There's an opportunity for them to knock off another ranked team and their next game Saturday at two o'clock. They got to head into Rhode Island to take on Providence number 22 ranked. Um, and I love how this is turning out because this just swings into the next game. Providence lost their game as well as we finish our half upset, if you will, uh, against Marquette. Now, again, Marquette was ranked above them, uh, 20th in the nation compared to 22. But we saw Providence um, at the beginning of this season were 6-0 and in the Big East. Now they're 6-2. and Marquette is now 7-2. and They take a- ahead of them in the Big East in second place. Xavier still sits in first place at 7-1. and However, I'll call this half an upset because I do think Providence was uh, the favorite in this one. I will say, in my opinion, uh, if you look at the matchup predictor on ESPN, 92% said Providence should win this game. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was uh, an interesting matchup to say the least. Uh, but eighty-three seventy-five. Marquette gets to win here. Uh, they they held him off. Cam Jones had 21 points. Tyler Kolak had 19 and and they found a way to beat number 22 Providence. I'm a, I'm not nervous by either of this game. I think this was just a good game. I think you just want to call the upset the stun, whatever you want to call it, sure. But I think this was just one of those good, old-fashioned Big East battles we have. Both these teams are going to be right in the thick of it when we get to the end of the Big East tournament.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly as high on Providence as just about any team in the Big East outside of Creighton as far as their tournament uh, possibilities. But Marquette has just earned their way, you know, just like Xavier earned our respect, earned their way up the rankings, Marquette's going to continue to rise, and 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 they're earning it. Nobody really had Marquette near the top of the Big East. I I, I mean, I think they were sort of like a also also receiving votes kind of team, you know, mm-hmm. when the people were ranking the Big East. Yep. Um, but I mean, they 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 just they're a team. Marquette is a team, as opposed to stars that have supplemental players around them. Marquette really. Their success is driven by the team concept and that comes right from their coach through the, you know, through their staff and through the entire roster. Everybody knows that they have a role to play and they play it and they don't complain. Uh, I don't think you're going to see players, leaving Marquette, you know, that have any kind of value through the transfer portal. I think they are there. They're going to stay. It's another traditional program that has a good basketball tradition. So when you say Marquette, okay, maybe their, their, their heydays were 20, 30 years ago, but there's some great basketball players that have come through that university since those heydays and um, Marquette could be really dangerous. Maybe we have not seen the best of them yet. And that's what I'm curious about in a good way, not, not a bad way, not a negative way. I'm really curious. Have we even seen the best of Marquette yet? And if we haven't, wow. I mean, we we're having a whole different conversation a month from now about what Marquette's chances are in the tournament.
0: I feel like when we say the word big East, the, the, it's just set up to have a whole nother conversation when we get to a month from now. I mean, at the beginning of this season, we've all thought you and I both, and I know a lot of other uh, writers out there thought Creighton was going to run away with this conference. I mean, absolutely just run away. People had him as final four. Uh, and so did we right now they're sitting at five and three in the, in the conference They're at 11 and eight, they're actually resurrecting their season a little bit. I mean, if you will, having that winning record, um, but you see above them is Xavier Marquette and Providence. Not many people had those on top, especially Marquette. Some people had Providence a little closer to the top. No one really gave Xavier that chance to be in the top three because they thought Sean Miller was going to take another year to really get this team going. And then I know that UConn's falling, but at the beginning of this season, they were at this very top as well being undefeated. No one had that going. No one had that going. It was Creighton. It was some Villanova, maybe some thoughts thinking they weren't going to fall off. They fell off a lot harder uh, and Seton Hall even got some looks as well. This Big East Conference is full of surprises. We just got upsets on Wednesday night. I'm not shocked that we just got three of them, or two and a half, if I keep saying. But this conference is not over with shocking us, Steve. Not yet, not this year.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. And it's it's funny because we talked about you know, Creighton I think you can point to St. John's as another team that's been very streaky. Uh, Xavier had the positive streak. you know. Creighton, St. John's have been on a negative roll. UConn now is starting to slide back. So I, I, I wonder, it, I mean, is it just the natural ebb and tide of, of conference play? Or is it – I really don't think you can point – to any of these teams that have struggled or any of the teams we talked tonight that lost and say it's an injury issue. Every team's gonna have an injury where they're gonna miss a player, you know, for a game or a stretch of games or whatever. But I I it's it's mystifying to me what's happening in the Big East. And I'm I'm afraid that perhaps the committee will kind of dismiss. The conference to a, to a certain degree, and say, well, yes, this team is, you know, had a pretty good run. They're on the bubble, but really, the big this is a down year in the Big East, and I, I think it's a better year in the Big East than I anticipated. To be quite honestly, as we've talked about, we thought it was going to be very top heavy and not, you know, a little bit in the middle, then a lot of teams at the bottom, and we've got a lot more teams uh, kind of bunched together, and I don't know that there's one team that has stood out as being the team so far, unless it's Xavier, despite the loss he just had. I mean, I guess you could say Xavier's the class of the big East, at least so far, as far as what they've shown us. But I wonder if this is going to work against them come uh tournament selection time. We're like, well, do we really want to send five or six teams from the big East? I, you know, you always have those, the stupid conversations coming out of the committee uh and i think with the big east you know i'm not a ken palm guy you know i I, if i can't you know do it on the abacus i i don't you know i don't know i don't understand how to calculate it but i really think that is that ken palm ratings are going to play a role in getting more teams in the big east despite what might seem like iffy records as far as what would be on their resume. I wonder if Ken Palm ratings will translate well, because I think the big East as a conference, I think a lot of teams have higher Ken Palm ratings than necessarily their standings would be.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we'll see net as well come into play. I feel like a lot of analytics are coming to play in college basketball. Speaking of is it going to be five? Is it going to be six teams? Well, that's about what they're still thinking about predicting for the Big East to be in the tournament right now. According to ESPN, Joe Lenardi's last bracketology, he currently has five Big East teams in multi as a multi-bid conference. He has five bids, and Seton Hall is currently as the next four out. Uh, so sitting just right outside, the other five are still in. Uh, before we head out on this one we are about halfway through the big East. If I had to, if I had to make you make a prediction, who will be the regular season winner in the big East or if, right now, who would you say?
1: I think I'd say Xavier. I mean, I mean until, until they have a, a bad run, and I don't really see one in them right now. I mean, I, I, I'd have to say Xavier. I still say Creighton's the best team in the Big East, and will and will probably go furthest in the tournament coming out of this conference. But I, I for me, it's Xavier. How about for you, Christian?
0: I'm going to go with Providence. I'm going to stick out there. They haven't lost at home yet, and I know that they're very tough. Yes, they did have a, a tough loss against Marquette, but Marquette looks really good too. I'm going to go with Providence. I think Providence is the regular season winner. We get it all said and done. Now, we don't know what happens at the tournament. That could be a whole different story. You know how that goes. It's magic. And just like we said, uh, there's no, they're not done upsetting us yet uh, right. in, in this conference. Let us know your thoughts in the comment description below. What do you think about this Big East conference? Lots of upsets on Wednesday night. I'm sure more to come. Look through the schedule. What do you think is the next upset in the Big East? And do you agree that five teams deserve to be in the tournament if we were to pick right now? I know we're still a few months out, but it's always fun to talk about. Let us know your thoughts in the comment description below. Hit like and subscribe while you're there. And thanks for watching Slash review.